Our reading this morning comes from John chapter 19. And so if you want to go ahead and get your Bibles this morning and open to John chapter 19, whether it's your own Bible or the Pew Bible, that's where we'll be out of this morning. But first, let us go to the Lord in a moment of prayer. Good and gracious God, we celebrate, Lord, this day, this Palm Sunday, you are great King. But even as you, we celebrate you today for your triumphal entry, we also are reminded from our passage today that everything that you do is for the will of your Father. Lord, I pray that our hearts and our minds would be open to receive what it is that you are speaking to us. What it is that you want to say to our hearts that we might be transformed to live for you. To live our lives laid aside of any selfish ambition so that we may be selfless in our lives toward others. To do your will, to accomplish what it is that you have called us to accomplish. Lord, I pray that you would soften our hearts, which occasionally can be hard, not tender, prideful, thinking that we have all the answers and the right way to do things, but Lord, that we would become dependent upon you. And Lord, would this scripture this morning speak clearly to us, and would you move me out of the way so that you can have and receive all of your glory. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Our reading this morning is from John chapter 19, verses 28 through 29. After this, Jesus knowing that all things had already been finished, in order to finish the Scripture, said, I am thirsty. A jar full of sour wine was standing there, so they put a sponge full of the sour wine upon a branch of hyssop and brought it up to his mouth. Before we began this morning, I was actually in the choir room, and I said, you know, this is going to be a short sermon today, uh, probably only 10 minutes. There's only so much you can say about two lines and about a simple saying, I am thirsty. And Ina said, I'm going to hold you to that. <laughs> but there's one thing about this passage that I know for certain is that I'm really glad to know that I have a great high priest who is not unable to sympathize with me because I have been thirsty before. <laughs> I've been thirsty. I've been so thirsty that there were moments where I would do anything. I remember growing up as a kid, like whenever we were playing outside all day long, 
And the parents were like, no, you're not coming in the house. You're just going to stay outside. Stay outside today. When we got thirsty, you know what we did? We went to the hose. And we drank from the hose. Does, did anyone else ever drink from the hose before? Yeah, we've all drank from the hose. When we were thirsty, that's what we went to do. But I'll be honest, when I was doing youth ministry, I had some students that have never drank from the hose before. In fact, I once was on a trip with some students, and one of the kids had mentioned how thirsty he was, and I was offering him a bottle of, of water. I think it was probably Dasani. And he looked at me, and he's like, I don't drink that. I was like, you don't what? <laughs> he's like, I don't drink Dasani. I only drink Evian. <laughs> like... I'm like, if you're thirsty, you're going to drink Dasani. You're going to drink whatever is given to you. If you're thirsty enough, you'll drink whatever is given for you. And so as kids, when we were thirsty, we just, the hose was the option. It was either drink from the hose or don't get any water at all. Don't quench the thirst of, of playing out in that hot, humid southern sun for hours upon hours upon hours. And you see, when I was a kid, we lived in a cul-de-sac on black asphalt, and we just played on that one little cul-de-sac because we had to stay out in front because the parents had to be able to see us from their windows. And so there wasn't any option to go find some shaded area. It was just blacktop, and it got hot. So we would just go to the nearest hose, and we would just drink from that a thirst a thirst so deep that it needed to be quenched. And this morning, we hear this same desire for a thirst from the Savior on the cross for it to be quenched. It had to have been hot sticky, Exhausted, exhaustion already setting in, suffocating, the misery and the agony of the cross, and here Jesus is crying out, I'm thirsty. I am thirsty. As we get into this passage, at the very beginning it says, after this, Jesus, knowing that all things had already been finished, in order to finish the scripture said, I am thirsty. What is this thirst of Christ? What does it mean for us? How can we read this? How can we understand this other than anything more than man, I'd really like a glass of water. The first thing that I want us to notice is it says, after this, after these things, what things is being mentioned here? Well, let us go back through the things that have already happened on the cross, if that's where we want to look. We've already talked about in this series, as we've been looking at these seven last sayings of Jesus He started by offering this 
prayer of intercession for transgressors. Father, forgive them. And right after his prayer for forgiveness, the criminal next to him on the cross asked for Jesus to remember him as he entered into the kingdom. And Jesus said to him, with me, today you will be in paradise. We were reminded of the the immediacy and the urgency of the invitation of Jesus to come to him, to know him and be known by him. And then after that, we turned into John and heard Jesus speaking to his mother and to his beloved disciple, offering to his mother, behold thy son, and to his beloved disciple, behold thy mother. An invitation for us into intimate relationship with one another, into a relationship where we recognize everyone as some sort of part of this family that God has invited us into. Now we have a responsibility to care for one another. That when visitors walk through our doors, how do we as the people become their beloved parents? And for those in the younger generation, how do we care for you as our beloved mothers and fathers? Last week we heard Christ from the cross cry out, why have you forsaken me? This prophetic fulfillment of Jesus crying out from Psalm 22, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? This heartfelt cry of agony of of Christ on the cross, knowing for the first time separation from the Father. Turmoil that it caused within him. But also the hope for us that in his separation, we would never have to know separation from the Lord when we accept Jesus. So maybe it's after these things that John is talking about. But then he continues and he says, but knowing that all things had already been finished. It pushes us further to know that It's not just talking about these moments on the cross. It's talking about everything that Jesus has accomplished up to that point is done. Everything that needed to be done, every step that was required for him to take was coming to an end. Everything from the very beginning of Scripture in Genesis 1-1 to this moment has been finished. The story of God's redemption was coming to its climax. All things have already been 
finished. And then it shares with us, so in order to finish the Scripture, in order to finish the Scripture, Jesus said, I am thirsty. I am thirsty. And these are our words today. This is the question we are asking. What does it mean to be thirsty? What is this thirst of Christ? Well, first and foremost, I want us to look at that that little phrase. It said, in order to finish the Scripture, in order to finish the Scripture, as we've been walking through each one of these sayings of Jesus, we've actually been looking back to the Old Testament and seeing these prophetic proclamations of, of how we would recognize when the Messiah has come, when we would see who truly is the Christ. And we've seen how in each of these moments as we've been looking, Jesus fulfills something from an Old Testament prophecy. And so in order to finish the scripture, could also be read, in order to finish the prophecies leading up to this moment of him on the cross, one more thing had to happen. He said, I am thirsty. And so in Psalm chapter 69, we read... This prophetic moment written by David, it says this, Reproach has broken my heart and I am so sick. And I hoped for sympathy, but there was none. And for comforters, but I found none. They also gave me gall for my food, And for my thirst, they gave me vinegar to drink. This is Christ on the cross looking for comfort, looking for sympathy, looking for people that would surround him and understand what it was that he was going through. But there is none that could comprehend the agony that Christ was experiencing in that moment. Not just from a physical standpoint, but from a spiritual standpoint. That's why we had to talk about his words from last week. That separation from the Father. There was none that could sympathize, none that could comfort Christ in this moment. But as he sought that comfort, his physiological needs set in, and he needed a drink. He thirsted. But what is more is I find it fascinating that in this passage it said that in order to finish Scripture, Jesus said, I am thirsty. For sure, Jesus was physically thirsty and he wasn't trying to be manipulative in any way, but Jesus, even in the agony he was experiencing, was constantly aware of why He came. He was constantly aware of the purpose he was called to fulfill. He was constantly trying and succeeding at fulfilling 
the will of the Father. The reason that he needed to say this for the Scripture to be fulfilled was because the will of the Father had to be constantly revealed. And in this passage, we learn, as we heard in Psalm uh, 66, then we, or Psalm 69, then we hear in verse 29, and then the jar full of sour wine was standing there, and so they put a sponge full of the sour wine upon a branch of hyssop and brought it up to his mouth. We see the prophetic fulfillment. Once again, prophecy is fulfilled. Jesus was constantly aware of seeing the will of the Father fulfilled in his life. Even in the greatest moments of suffering. Even in his thirst. And so one question that I want us to ask ourselves today is, Have we suffered and not given in to our own desire, but still work to fulfill the will of God in our lives? How often is it that when we face suffering, we want to turn away from God and have our needs satisfied? I talked about it a lot in the fall about this giant suffering moment that I was going through with the dissolution of a relationship, of a friendship that meant a lot to me. And I was going through a lot of suffering in that process, a lot of grieving in that process. But if there's one thing that I learned in that process is that I shouldn't be so quick to alleviate suffering for my sake, because he might be wanting to use that suffering for his sake. How is it that I could fulfill the will of God in my own suffering? What was it that God was calling me to in that moment? How was I being called to fulfill his will? And so it was in my suffering that I actually began to see more of God's will for my life, that I'd be able to experience Him in new ways and be able to understand that suffering is not necessarily something that we need to alleviate, especially as the Christian, but it's something that we embrace, getting to participate in the same sufferings of Christ. James chapter 1 says that we should count it all joy when we experience and suffer trials of various kinds. Why would James tell us that we should rejoice in our suffering? Because it's in our suffering that we have opportunity to actually invite God in and to see how His will would play out in our lives rather than trying to push God away and allow our suffering to be alleviated by our own means. Suffering invites Christ. That's one thing that we can get out of this passage today. This thirst. 
suffering for the sake that God's will might be fulfilled. But I think there's something more to this passage as well. Because it wasn't just that Jesus fulfilled the Scripture. It's not just that his physiological response kicked in as he was in agony on the cross. But Jesus spoke a lot about thirst in the Scriptures. In fact, in John, he talked about thirst the most. And so here, I want us to read some of these passages from the Gospel of John where Jesus mentions thirst. And I hope that it even pulls us even further into the will that God has for our lives. The first is from John chapter 6, verse 35 through 40. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never hunger, and he who believes in me will never thirst. But I said to you that you have seen me, and yet do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me, and all the one and and all and the one who comes to me I will never cast out. For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. Now this is the will of him who sent me, that all that he has given me I lose nothing, but raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who sees the Son and believes in him will have eternal life, and I myself will raise him up on the last day. How fascinating that we both talk about the will of the Father being fulfilled, and then we turn a little bit earlier in the Gospel of John, and we see Jesus saying, my will is to do the will of the Father, not my own. And in that same text, he says, I am the bread of life. If you come to me, you will never hunger, and all who come to me shall never thirst. There's a connection between being thirsty, going to Jesus, that your thirst would be quenched, and fulfilling the will of God. Dare I say that our thirst is most quenched when we are fulfilling the will of God in our lives. When Jesus calls us to himself and says, if you are thirsty, come to me. In fact, he said this in his moment with the Samaritan woman at the well. In John chapter 4, a woman of Samaria came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. Why would he ask for a drink? He must have been thirsty. 
In, chapter, in verse 6, it actually tells us because he was wearied from his journey. And so he sat by the well. And then he asked this woman for a drink. And then going down a little bit further in verse 13, and then Jesus answered and said to her, everyone who drinks of this water will thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never thirst ever. But the water that I will give him will become in him a well of water springing up into eternal life. The water that Jesus provides is a well springing up to eternal life. A thirst so deep not a thirst that can be satisfied by physical means, by getting yourself a drink from the hose on a hot, humid southern day. But a drink from the one who calls himself living waters and from whom, if we drink, we shall never thirst again. Jesus thirsted on the cross so that we don't have to thirst in this life. Will you drink from his well that he is offering you? And will you fulfill the will of God in your life that he has called you to? If you're going to be thirsty, be thirsty for his will to be fulfilled. And be thirsty so that you may drink from the well of living water that is found in Jesus. Who gave up his life so that our sins would be forgiven. And then he was raised to life so that we too might be raised with him into eternal life and relationship with God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let us pray. Good and gracious Lord, as we hear your words, I am thirsty. Lord, let it be also our cry that we be thirsty, but not because our thirst cannot be quenched, but because it can indeed be quenched by you and we should never thirst again. Lord, let us come to you knowing that you are living water that you satisfy our souls and that you have called us to do the will of your Father is who is in heaven just as you were called to fulfill his will as well. It's in the name of Christ we pray. Amen.